So Titus chapter 3 this morning, we're going to talk about the power of God's kindness and love. And we'll begin by reading verses 1 through 7. And the text passage today is really going to be 3 through 7, but we'll begin by reading the first seven verses. It says, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawler but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And so last week we examined uh, some conduct of citizens and some biblical character traits or uh, some some graces that Christians ought to portray in their life. Uh, In verse 1 we saw that we should be subject to those in authority. And then in verse 2 we see the gracious treatment that we should afford all men. Certainly we've experienced the grace of God in our lives and how appropriate it would be for Christians, people that name Christ, to act in a Christ-like manner when dealing with those, and even when those people we don't agree with all the time. Uh, But this morning our text, we'll be looking at verses 3 through 7, and uh, we see that we're instructed why we should act with such grace. And uh, we see the first two, or such grace that we see in those first two verses, so uh, we don't do that in our own power and in our own strength. We're, we're not really capable of being that good on our own. We need the renewing of the Holy Ghost. We, need, we really need to be regenerated in order to be capable to do those things. And, and so we understand. But what I want you to understand today is don't forget that these things that we're going to look at, but such were some of you. Um, oftentimes we look at sinners and we get frustrated and, wait a second, they're a sinner. They're just doing what is, comes natural to them. Yeah. And we have a dog at my house. The dumb thing barks occasionally. <laughs> and I don't always know why. I mean, he's got supersonic hearing or something because he'll be laying there, looks like he's sleeping, and he just and busts out the dog door into the backyard barking at something. Uh, but he does that because he's a dog. And so sinners sin because they're, they're sinners. That's their natural state. And so we, it's, a good, it's good to be reminded sometimes that we were there once. And that we came out of that not of our own doing. It wasn't something that we could do and thereby we're self-righteous and we're better than them. Uh, certainly that's not the case. And we'll look at a little bit of that this morning. Um, <clears throat> but to appreciate why we should conduct ourselves in the manner prescribed in verses 1 and 2, look at verse 3 this morning. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving, lust, uh, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Listen, we were right there with them. And, uh, but we know, verse 4, but after the kindness and love of God. And so our condition before we experience the kindness and love of God is we were foolish. Uh, the idea there is not understanding, unwise, and, and it really kind of has a sensual meaning to it. We're disobedient. And 
I like the definition I came across, unwilling to be persuaded. There's an unwillingness there in that. And uh, we're, we're swelling against things. We're obstinate, or we were, or these people are. They're, they're perverse or stubborn. Uh, here's one, inflexible, unyielding. Uh, we want our own way. And as, as a contumacious child, and uh, you guys have great vocabularies. And so, contumacious child, that was, I think it was in Strong's. But, um, but they were deceived. Those, they're, they're seduced, they're gone astray. Uh, I like the one, out of the way. Uh, they've been deceived, they, they err. And look at what it says here, Sever, serving diverse lusts and pleasures. Uh, this is really, they're, they're slaves to various passions and pleasures. Um. Well, let me stay off politics. They're not served or gratified by our lusts and pleasures, but living as their slaves. Uh, it's really a life of misery and wretchedness, uh, John Clark said. And, and uh, the idea kind of has the idea of lewdness, the unlawful indulgence of lust, fornication, adultery. It denotes really idolatry, licentiousness, shamelessness. Uh, these are things that we would describe uh, people that have not experienced the kindness of love of God in their life. They're living in malice and envy, ill will, desire, or, or injury toward others. Uh, this is really, really profound badness. Some of you are engaging with me this morning. Thank you. So, But nonning is wickedness, envy, jealousy, pain, felt, malignity, conceived it the sight of excellence or happiness of others. You just can't stand the fact that people are doing good. Envy, getting frustrated at them. Hateful and hating one another. I think we can understand that. Our conduct was such as to be worthy of hatred of others. They were hating one, implying active ill will in words and conduct. Here, here I like this one, a persecuting spirit. You just have no good for anybody. And listen, we were all there. And we can see this in society. We can see these, these character traits of, of the natural man, we might say, uh, in our society. Uh, we see another description of this in Ephesians 2, this uh, spiritual condition of those that uh, don't know Christ, among whom we also had our conversation in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And so the Apostle Paul uses this language in many places. We... And, and listen, I just want you to understand this morning, you're no better than them. And, and as we look at this, and it, it's by the mercy of God. And so don't get frustrated with others when you're out in public. Listen, don't put the plow on the truck and ram through traffic. <laughs> as much as we may want to. Uh, because we have to remember where they are. They're without Christ. They're, they're doing that of the natural man. And don't forget, you were there one time <clears throat> before the kindness of love of God uh, came to you. We were really just ungodly sinners, enemies of God. Yet his love was manifested even when we were in such a condition. What a blessing to think on that. That in this wretched condition, God loved us anyway. Romans 5 6 through 8, for when we were yet without strength, and in due time Christ died for the ungodly, 
For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man one even dare to die. God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Boy, what a blessing to think on that for a few moments. Listen, before we understood or knew our God, or knew our need of God and knew our need of, uh, of a Savior, God had made a way. Uh, we saw that in Titus 1, 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God was working on our behalf before we were even born. And, and that's, a, that's a blessed thought for me to think on. And so we, I think we all understand this morning that we were there at some point in life. Uh, but what happens, uh, what's our condition after God's kindness and love? Well, it begins by being saved by his mercy. And again, it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Uh, it certainly was not by any merits of our own. Um, we did not earn salvation, but according to his mercy, the word of God tells us. And here's what Webster says about mercy. I thought this was good. The benevolence, mildness, or tenderness of heart, which disposes a person to overlook injuries and get this, or to treat an offender better than he deserves. The disposition that tempers justice and induces an injured person to forgive trespasses and injuries and to forbear punishment or inflict less than law or justice will warrant. In this sense, there is perhaps no word in our language precisely synonymous with mercy. That which comes nearest but is grace. It implies benevolence, tenderness, mildness, piety, compassion, and clemency, but exercised only towards offenders. Mercy is a distinguishing attribute of the supreme being. What a blessing, the mercy of God. Uh, what more can we say but thank God for his mercy? Amen. We certainly are undeserving. And there was nothing that we could bring to God or do for God that would earn our way. But his kindness and love was shed upon us because of his mercy. And because of that, in, in verse, so verse 4 it says, But after the kindness and love of our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness as we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Some claim uh, this verse to support baptismal regeneration. Uh, and I was surprised at how many commentaries I looked at this week that held to that. I, I was really kind of shocked. And, but we know that that's not the case. Uh, they used the word, that here's, and, and I did some study for you this week. Hopefully you pay attention. I do have some commentaries because I'm maybe not as eloquent as them, but I have a couple commentaries that, uh, that I'll share with you. But in my studies, I, I came across a few things. Um, <clears throat> and really, so... They use the word washing as meaning baptism. Uh, but as I began studying this, you really have to force that into the language. Uh, you, you really have to force that in there. The word washing is lutron, meaning bath. It comes from the root word luo, meaning to bathe. And so what does the text say? The washing of regeneration. Well, that's critical. It's of regeneration. So regeneration, what does that mean? It means to be born again simply or rebirth. Um, the word regeneration in the Greek is uh, uh, palin, and I don't think that's Sarah Palin, but palin genesia, uh, which is a compound word, which is palin, meaning anew, 
And then Genesis, meaning nativity or nature or natural. So palingenesia or regeneration literally means a new nature or new birth. And uh, the washing comes from regeneration. And so the new birth brings the washing or the cleansing. And Isaiah 118, very well-known passage, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And I think I have time. I, I, didn't, I put it in the end of my notes because I wasn't sure I was going to have time. But Albert Barnes had some interesting thoughts on this idea of scarlet. And this isn't new. I think I've heard preachers say similar things. But I think it's, it's worth noting uh, about this idea of though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Here's what Albert Barnes says. Our word scarlet denoting a bright red expresses the color intended here. This color was obtained from eggs of Cocos illicis, a small insect found on the leaves of the oak in Spain and other parts of the east of the Mediterranean. The cotton cloth was dipped in this color twice, and the word used to express it means also double dyed uh, from the verb shana, and it means to repeat. <clears throat> from this double dyeing, many critics, critics have supposed that the name given to the color was derived. The interpretation which derives it from the sense of the Arabic word to shine, however, is the most probable, as there is no evidence that the double dyeing was unique to this color. Hopefully you're tracking this. But, so, but here, here's, here's the better part of his, his commentary. It was a more permanent color than that which is mentioned under the word crimson. White is an emblem of innocence. Of course, sins would be represented by the opposite. Hence, we speak of crimes as black or deep dyed and of the soul as stained by sin. There is another idea here that was a fast or fixed color, that it was a fast or fixed color. Neither dew nor rain, nor washing nor long usage would remove it. Hence, it is used to represent the fixedness and permanency of sins in the heart. No human means will wash them out. No effort of man, no external rites, no tears, no sacrifices, no prayers are of themselves sufficient to take them away. They are a deep fixed in the heart as the scarlet color was in the web of cloth and an almighty power is needful to remove them. There's nothing that we could do to remove our sins, but, but listen, by the blood of Christ, uh, they certainly can be. And let me find my spot. So the regeneration is in Christ. Therefore, if any man... Be, uh, be in Christ, he's a new creature. So this is the regeneration we're talking about. Uh, if we're in Christ, we're, we're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Galatians 6.15, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Uh, in Christ we are a new creature, quickened and renewed by the Holy Ghost. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1-5, through 5, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time past... He walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were, and we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Listen to this. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. And parenthetically, the word of God says this, by grace are saved. Amen. 
Listen, there's no regenerational ability in the waters of baptism. But it's by the death and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. You must call on him as your Savior. And so I got a couple, well, you know what? I'm going to leave it at that. I ain't going to read their commentary. Justified by his grace. To render just or innocent. Look at what it says here. In verse 6, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Verse 7, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What a blessing that we can be justified. Uh, The idea there is that we have no fault. We are innocent. And that comes through the blood of Christ. Romans 5.9 says, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. We have forgiveness of sins through his blood. Ephesians 1.7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And so the idea here of being justified is being treated as if righteous. That's being regarded and treated as if we kept the law. And certainly I haven't done that. And neither have you. Uh, We could not do any such thing of our own merit or of our own doing. We must understand that if we are so treated, it is by the mere favor. And it's not a matter of right, but as a gift. Of our Savior. Ephesians 2 8 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, that is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We have been made heirs according to the hope of eternal life, is what the passage here says. And I didn't do a deep dive here, but can you imagine all that the Lord Jesus Christ? is availed to him as the Son of God. And we're joint heirs. (laughs) Boy, he's got a place he's preparing for us. There's so much more that we have in in, in this eternal life that that we have through the mercy and grace of God. Uh, We have the hope of receiving eternal life, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. And don't forget, God promised this before the world began, the hope of eternal life. But I want you to look at Romans 8, verses 15 through 17. We're the heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and of children, then heirs of God. And join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also be glorified with him together. And so listen, Christ suffered. We may we'll experience suffering in this life, but listen, all that's afforded to him, we will enjoy one day. Amen. And that's an exciting thing to think on. How powerful is the kindness and love of God? It can take a wretch. It can take an ungodly sinner. 
It can take the enemies of God and turn them into people who are saved, they're regenerated, they're justified, they're heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Listen today, I hope you understand what God has done for you in Christ. And certainly we can live in victory. This morning, for those that don't know Christ today, you must understand that this kindness and love is available not only just to a few select people, but it's available to all. We saw this in in chapter 2 and verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men. Uh, It's appeared to all. And so certainly we understand that God desires all to be saved. And this ought to help us keep the right perspective. Again, when we deal with people that are difficult, people that are lost, and and we understand that we need to submit them or submit ourselves to those in authority. Because it can be hard. Let's be frank and be honest. Sometimes when you look at how ridiculous things are going in our nation, it's hard to say, you know, let me just submit myself under the authority of these people that can't even make a budget that makes sense. But God wants to save them just like he saved you. You're not something better. You're not more valuable to God than them. He died for them just the same. And we ought to be praying for their salvation. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. Listen, he's long-suffering. To us, we're not willing that any should perish. He wants them to come to Christ. What kind of attitude is it for us to get anything other than that? And we talked about speaking evil of those people. We need to be very careful. We ought to be praying for them and praying for their salvation. And and listen, if if the Lord leads and as we have opportunity, we ought to be sharing Christ with them. Sharing the love and kindness of God with them. Uh, I think it might make a difference in our community if we would demonstrate some of these things. The invitation is given to all that if thou shalt confess with the mouth of the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And then right after that, in a couple verses later, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. For whosoever means anybody. It's available to all. And so if you don't know for sure that you're saved this morning, if you don't know Christ today, listen, it's available. You can enjoy all the kindness and love and the benefits of being a joint heir with Christ today. If you would turn to him for salvation. But for the Christian this morning, as the recipients of God's mercy and kindness and love, don't forget where you came from. Remember, you were sometimes foolish. You were disobedient, deceived. You served those diverse lusts and pleasures. Boy, living in malice and envy, hateful. Listen, and I'm afraid sometimes these are things that are manifested in the lives of professing Christians. That ought not be. These are the things that that we were saved from. Listen, you did not get where you are today on your own. It was because the mercy, the kindness, and love of God that was shed in your life. It was the mercy and renewing of God in your life. Listen, we ought to say, show the same kindness and love toward others. 
As we look in, in, in verse 1, it says, put them in mind. That means to remind them of these things. I can't help but think that these have been taught before. I don't think this is the first time that as Paul is, is telling Titus to go, uh, I don't, there were, I, well, Paul was on the island of Crete, and it says he was there for a while at periods of time. Uh, there, I think it's Acts chapter 27. I mean, he spent some time there on his way to Rome, but, and there were other times I think he, he was probably there on the island. So I don't think these were new things. And many of these people had probably traveled to other parts and, and heard the preaching of the word. And he says, but remind them to be subject. Uh, why would somebody have to be reminded of that? Why would somebody have to be reminded to speak evil of no man? I think it's because they forgot their first love, perhaps. They forgot the kindness and love of God in their life. And, the, and somehow in the, in the Christian life, they've gotten to a point where they think, well, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I, and we, we've lost sight of what God did to bring us where we're at. And so this morning, just remember that you did nothing to deserve what you have in Christ. And listen, I am thankful for a God that can change us, transform us, and make us a completely different new creature in Christ. Listen, my life is not what it was before Christ. And certainly I know for a fact, if I had my way and I was going to direct my life, I would not be where I am today. Because I would be serving those diverse lusts and pleasures. And so don't get this idea that you've brought yourself along to this point. Well, I've been in church for 20 years now. God has worked in your life. God has done the transforming. God has changed you. And so what I would say to you is don't forget that. Continue to submit to the Lord. Continue to allow him to change you. Because certainly if you're in that situation where you feel self-righteous and you, some things that are mentioned of the lost are being manifested in your life, there's a problem. And so continue to seek God. But What do I want to tell you this morning? Be kind. Show the love of Christ. Even to people that that they don't deserve it. We didn't deserve the kindness and love of God in our life. And do the Christ-like thing. Because I'm afraid too many Christians are good at judging. Being critical. Well, they're not dressing the way I think they ought to dress. Oh boy, I can't believe they watched that TV show. Listen, God's working on them. Uh, and and that's in the family of God. We ought to not be critical of one another, but we ought to be encouraging. Hey, walk with, are you sure that that's appropriate for the Christian? Because sometimes they, we do need instruction. So I'm not saying just be silent, but what I'm saying is you got to do it in kindness and love. But the bigger side of that is be very careful how you deal with lost people. God demonstrated his kindness and love in your life and really that brought you to him. And so for us to demonstrate anything other than that and expect people to desire what we have is foolishness. So my prayer this morning is is that we would act with the kindness and love of God in our life. And that we demonstrate that in our communities. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, your kindness and love that you have shed in our lives. And 
Father, I thank you for the transforming power of Christ that we can be regenerated and renewed. And Father, I pray that as we, Lord, go about our business in the community, that we would show the kindness and love of Christ. Lord, help us to share the love that you have for the lost people. Lord, help us not to have a critical attitude or spirit, but that we would understand their condition. And Lord, remember that we know the truth and we have the solution and that we would be faithful to share that. And Father, as we go to the morning service, we ask for your blessing. I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to hearts and move in lives. I pray that you would give free course to the word of God as it goes forward. Bless our pastor as he preaches. Hide him behind the cross. Use him in a mighty way. And Father, certainly we want to glorify you in all of it today. And we pray that as we sing songs and hymns, Lord, that they would be uplifting and glorifying you. And Father, now we ask that you would just work in a way that only you can in our hearts and lives today. In Jesus' name, amen.